We are wrapping up our series, uh, Family Matters, today, and uh, we spent the last four weeks taking a look at uh, a number of different um, uh, implications that we find in Scripture and guidelines that we find in Scripture that God has for us as families. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago, we looked at this idea that our families, um, despite what our culture says, our families are really to be centered around um, God and, and everything in our lives we make from uh, the perspective, the decisions that we make, the actions that we take, the words that we speak um, are to come from this idea that we are centered around God and uh, what he has in store for us as families. And our culture um, would love for us to believe that at the center of our families should be things like our jobs and our careers, um, our kids and their sports and their grades and their activities and all of those things should be centered. And uh, we get off track, all of us, we get off track when we allow those things to become front and center um, as opposed to having and keeping God um, front and center in our lives. So we had that encouragement uh, two weeks ago. Last week, we had the encouragement um, that all of us in our families, we all play a role and we all have a supporting role um, to build up and to encourage and to help out um, the other people in our family. And so a great question for all of us to be asking every single day um, in our families is what can I do to help? The people that we, we share a, a home with, the people that we have as part of our family, uh, to be able to ask that question, what can I do to help? And uh, this morning, we're concluding the series, uh, Family Matters, and we're going to be talking about um, not the most popular uh, subject when it comes to life within the family. It has to do with tough love, aka discipline. Um, tough love was just a nicer way to put that on the screen um, than putting discipline up there. But that's, that's what we're going to talk about today. And the, the, the good thing for us, and, and kind of an important thing for us to know, is that God actually has a lot to say about the topic of discipline. And uh, that's especially helpful for us because our culture also has a lot to say about discipline and what culture has to say about discipline and what God has to say about discipline are two very different things. And so we were going to talk about this morning the difference between what culture says and what God says about this one topic of discipline. Now, it wasn't all that long ago in our society that discipline was really a, a, a dirty word. I mean, if you talked about um, disciplining your children, um, there was a time in our culture when most people would have heard that and assumed that there was some type of abuse that was going on inside your home. That discipline kind of took upon itself this, this idea that associated with it were, were things that, were, that just shouldn't happen. And that was what was going on inside homes where there was discipline. And uh, our, our culture, um, I would say our culture has kind of swung totally to the other side of the pendulum on this, uh, this subject of discipline to the point now where it's not discipline as a dirty word and associated with abuse. But in our culture today, um, discipline is really kind of almost looked upon as a um, hostage negotiation, but in reverse. Uh, discipline today, I mean, it's kind of like, uh, I will do whatever you want just stay in your room. I will do whatever you want. I will meet whatever your demands are. Just clean your room or do your homework. What do I have to do in order to get you to do those things? And uh, discipline today, in society, discipline today, I mean, we could really kind of look at that, and the glaring question that would probably pop out is, who's really in control? When we talk about discipline today, the way society kind of looks at it, and, and the reality is, is that children 
really are probably the most in control when it comes to discipline. And that's kind of where society, from my perspective, that's probably where society is about right now. Um, Biblical discipline is so much different than what society has led us to believe when it comes to discipline. I would venture to guess that if I could go around this room this morning and ask every single person, What's one word that you associate? What's the first word that you associate when you hear the word discipline? And if I could ask everyone in the room that one question, I would guess that the number one answer from all of us here today, what's the number one word that we associate with the word discipline? I would guess that that word would be punishment. That if we kind of look at what society says, what we know from experience, what we've kind of seen in our own homes and we've seen in other homes, when we get to that word discipline and thinking that kids have done something wrong and that there now needs to be discipline, the word that we would associate with that is punishment. And I know it's going to sound like I'm making a very fine distinction this morning, but this distinction makes a world of difference when it comes to discipline in our homes. And biblical discipline has nothing to do with punishment the way that we commonly think of that word. Now before I go on any further, and before I tell you kind of what discipline does have to do with, um, there are some of you here today who do not have children in your home. Either you're not old enough to have children, uh, maybe um, God has not allowed you to have children up to this point, or maybe God won't allow you to have children. Maybe your children have moved on, and so you don't have children in your home. If that's the case for you this morning, I just want to let you know that all of the applications that we are going to make from Hebrews chapter 12 today all apply still specifically to you. Because every single one of us here today, we all have a heavenly father and we are all children of our father in heaven. And so all of these applications that we're going to draw from Hebrews chapter 12, all of them have to do with God acting as a father in the first place. And so we can draw applications for us as parents then. If God is acting like a parent, we probably want to act like God as a parent. And if God's acting like a parent in these verses, we're going to be able to draw some things specifically to us. We're going to talk specifically in the context of families today. But everything that is said here applies also to us as children of God. So, Biblical discipline. If it doesn't have to do with punishment, what does it have to do with? That word discipline, as it's found in Scripture, is the same as our English word for instruction. And again, that might sound like a fine distinction, but what are some of the things that you think of that you would use to define the word instruction? Because biblical Discipline has to do with instruction, not punishment. So what is instruction? When we think of that word instruction, um, it has to do with a couple of things. First of all, instruction has to do with future things, right? When we think that we're going to instruct someone or we're going to be instructed about something, it has to do with future implications. And it also has to do with becoming more proficient or better at something. So kind of two things when we hear that word instruction, we're thinking future focus and becoming better at something. When you hear the word punishment, 
What tends to be the focus, or what are some ways that we would define that word punishment? Well, if instruction is future-focused, oftentimes punishment we would associate with past action. And if we associate instruction with improved performance or becoming more proficient or better at something, we oftentimes look at punishment as retribution for past mistakes. And there is a world of difference disciplining our children based on past performance and failed, you know, trying to get retribution for past activity as opposed to disciplining our children with instruction that is future-focused and aimed at improving. There is a world of difference in the way that we discipline our children just by making that fine distinction between punishment and instruction. And when the Bible uses the word discipline, it's always used in the context of instruction. That's kind of the first big thing that we need to realize today. And I think it, it's helpful for us. Um, you know, we struggle with that in parenting sometimes because um, we, we, we know this phrase, um, the people closest to you are the ones who hurt you the most. The people closest to you are the ones that frustrate you the most. And so it's in that context of family when we think about discipline, when we think about kids, when they hurt us and when they frustrated us, um, that's where we get the most worked up. We get the most agitated. That's where we're most likely to kind of shift towards that, that punishment phrase, that punishment idea. And yet think about it in the context of sports or think about it in the context of, of music. We want kids to become better at a sport or better at a, a musical instrument. What does it take? It takes discipline, right? It takes instruction. It takes looking at the future to improve their skills. That's what coaching, discipline, instruction is all about. And in that context, we understand it pretty easily. When you get it back into the family, it becomes more difficult for us to follow that path as opposed to punishment. But biblical discipline always has to do with instruction. Now, our lesson this morning from <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 12, um, the writer of the book of Hebrews, um, he's writing to a group of Christians that are living in a time and age uh, very similar to us. Um, Christianity wasn't all that popular. Um, in fact, uh, in their day and age, they were being persecuted for being Christians. They were going through some hard times. Um, and, and as we're going to find out, God was actually allowing some of these hardships in their lives to serve as discipline for them. And so in, in the book of Hebrews, there's this kind of progression in chapter 10 to acknowledging the hardships and a call for perseverance to stick with it. And then in chapter 11, there's this idea of people in the past have also experienced trials for being Christians and God was faithful to them, so don't lose heart. And then in chapter 12, it starts off with this focus that in trials and in challenges, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. That's going to get you through these hard times. And then we pick it up in verse 4 of Hebrews chapter 12, and the writer's going to kind of continue this line of thought that there are challenges, but those challenges are serving a purpose in your life. Those challenges are God's discipline to lead you in a godly direction, okay? So Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 
four, and uh, in these verses today, we're going to kind of walk away, hopefully, with five different principles that God has for us as far as it comes to discipline. So Hebrews 12, chapter four, in your struggle against sin, let me acknowledge again that, that you're having a hard time, and that you're struggling with sin right now, and that God is allowing some discipline, some instruction in your life to keep you from going where you shouldn't. So in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Um, There have been Christians, there have been believers throughout history that have shed their blood for their faith. That that God has allowed the circumstances in their life to get to such a point that they would actually shed blood and in some cases die for their faith. And the writer of Hebrews is kind of just putting that out there and he's kind of doing it in the sense of, just so you know, I know you're going through some hard times right now, but just so you know, it hasn't gotten as bad as it could be. It could get even worse. And if it does, there's a reason for it. If it gets worse, it's because this discipline that God is allowing in your life, it's meant to deter you from something. It's meant to keep you from something. In fact, it is better to shed your blood for your faith. And it's better to undergo God's discipline for your faith than to allow your faith to deteriorate completely. And so one of the goals of discipline is to deter destruction. It's to keep us from losing our faith altogether. And again, if you kind of think about that, um, as parents, uh, if you can imagine, uh, some of you have done this, you're teaching your child to drive, and you're in the passenger seat, and they're in the driver's seat for the first time, and you have white knuckles, you're, you're holding on to something, tightly and you see them starting to veer into oncoming traffic what do you do you grab that steering wheel and you yank that car back into the right lane why because there is about to be immediate destruction and you are deterring destruction god's discipline is meant to deter us from destruction all of us have something broken inside of us And human beings, because of a sinful nature inside of us, we are all bent towards destruction. And children, without instruction, without guidance, without discipline in their lives, will automatically gravitate towards disobedience. They will automatically gravitate towards sin. And so discipline is meant to deter destruction. It's one of the roles that we have as parents to watch over our children, to keep them from destruction. Verse 5, and you, ha- and you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My sons, this is from Proverbs chapter 3, my sons do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. All right? um, that word discipline, that Hebrew word, this is from Proverbs chapter 3, that Hebrew word is yasar. And that Hebrew word um, has to do with actions, okay? So God's discipline is going to involve physical actions of disciplining his children. God is going to allow physical hardships, in some cases, in our lives as discipline to deter us from destruction. Parents are to provide some loving, appropriate, compassionate, physical deterrence to keep their children from destruction. I know this isn't a popular thought, 
and I know it's going to sound old-fashioned, but biblically speaking, spanking children in the context of love and compassion for their welfare is appropriate. And I know for some of us that's hard to hear because of what society says. I know for some of us that's hard to hear because we did not grow up in a home that practiced that discipline in the context of love and for the best of the child. But biblical discipline also involves physical activity. It also involves words. The word rebuke here is yakuk, a Hebrew word. It has to do with strong words. It has to do with parents saying no and meaning it. It has to do with parents kind of laying down the law, and this is the way it's going to be. And here are the boundaries, and you're in the boundaries and outside of the boundaries, and here are the appropriate words that are going to address what you have done in your life. The role of the parent is to provide both physical and verbal correction when it comes to disciplining, instructing their child. Future focus aimed at improving, not past action and retribution for sins. Forward focus, aimed to improve a child. Words and actions. Verse 6, because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes, disciplines, everyone he accepts as a son. All right? If God disciplines those that he loves. What does that make discipline an expression of? Now, that's kind of a big question. But if God disciplines those that he loves, what does that make discipline an expression of? Love. Discipline is an expression of of love. Discipline, instruction, is an exercise and an expression of love. There was recently done a, a study on some juvenile delinquents, some uh, kids that were in detention centers, and uh, the question was asked of them, how do you know if your mom and dad love you? How do you know what, what your mom and your dad think about you? And almost all of the kids that were interviewed in this survey that were in detention centers, almost every single kid that was a part of this survey said that they did not think their parents loved them because they did not discipline them. They did not think their parents loved them because they did not discipline. Their parents provided no boundaries where they knew that they were safe inside those boundaries and they, they knew going outside of those boundaries that there was going to be discipline, instruction to get back inside of those boundaries. And that's difficult for us as parents, right, to set those boundaries. I would guess that there's a lot of different parenting models and I would guess that one of the parenting models that we fall into the most is what I'm going to call the etch-a-sketch parenting model, right? You guys know what an Etch-a-Sketch is? Um, it's one of those, those toys that's about the size of my, my Bible. Um, has those two little um, dials on the front, and you can use them to draw lines on the screen. Um, it's, what they, it's what they use for laptops in Arkansas. Um, I hope nobody's here from Arkansas. Um, no IT problems in Arkansas. Anyways, let's move on. Um, it, 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 it's one of those things you can draw lines 
and with those knobs, and then what happens? You shake it, and it disappears. And all of us as parents, that, that tends to be a model that we have. We, we draw those lines, and things get kind of shaken up in our homes. You know, we get shaken up at work, or we've had a tough day, or the kids kind of shake things up, and all of a sudden those boundaries just kind of disappear because it's easier not to have the boundaries or enforce the boundaries than it is to actually enforce the boundaries. And yet, what do kids need? They need those boundaries. They need that discipline and instruction in their lives, and it is an expression of love. It takes work, right, parents? It takes work, but it is absolutely worth it because discipline is an expression of love. Going on, verse 7. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. God's treating you like a good dad when he allows discipline in your lives because he loves you. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. He's making an earthly comparison here to how God parents and how we have experienced discipline in our own lives. Verse 9, moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, instructed us, and what? We respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? All of us, our earthly fathers, whether they've done it in the best way or not, all of us have earthly fathers, earthly parents that have disciplined us. They have offered us instruction. And what has happened? Not always, but what happens? We respect them for it. Maybe not right away, maybe not in the same year that it happened, but eventually we respect them for it. Why? Because we realize that the way we're teaching us obedience. We realize that the goal of that discipline was really for our good. And that having that, that obedience in our lives, that having that, that boundaries as a kid, because for children, for, <clears throat> for children, they need parents to be that external source of boundaries in their lives so that eventually they will learn not just to obey because mom and dad says, say so and because there's going to be consequences if we don't, but they obey because of self-discipline. They, they learn to be obedient because they know that their best interest is in mind. And so one of the reasons that we discipline is to teach obedience. And then a final thought, verse 10. Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, right kids? No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been, what? Trained by it. Discipline? It does involve short-term pain but it leads to long-term gain. God disciplines those that he loves, and he does it for our good. In our society, 
oftentimes discipline is looked upon as punishment. And when you look at discipline in the context of punishment, discipline becomes something that you do to your child. Biblical discipline in the context of instruction becomes something that you do for your child. And there is a world of difference in disciplining as something you do to your child as opposed to something you do for your child. Biblical discipline is always future-focused and looking at the best interest of the child. Now, I know that there's a lot of parents here today And I know that for me as a parent, kind of hearing all of these reminders of how to discipline, um, there's a lot of past regrets. There's a lot of acknowledgement in my own life of ways that I've failed to discipline my children in the context of instruction instead of in the context, or, or in the context of punishment. And it's at times like that in our lives that we realize that there are no perfect parents. None of us here today are perfect parents. None of you kids, as much as you think you're going to learn from your parents what not to do, you're not going to be perfect parents either. And it's at times like that in our lives that we need to understand what happens with our failures in our lives. And I want to come back to a key point that I've been talking about, and it has to do with this idea of punishment. Is there punishment for sin. There is. There is absolutely punishment for sin. In fact, all of your sins, they've already been punished. They've already been paid for. As Jesus hung on a cross, the symbol of a curse before God, as Jesus hung on the cross, he took upon himself all of the punishment For your sins and for my sins. And when Jesus hung on the cross and he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What Jesus was expressing was that in that moment, he was experiencing all of the wrath, all of the anger that God has for sin. So that you and I as parents would be forgiven of all of our sins. And we love to hear that we have received the mercy and the forgiveness and the love of God. And what do we do as parents? Is there punishment for our children's sins? Yes. But Jesus has already paid for it. It's not our job to punish our kids. It's our job to instruct them. It's our job to share that same mercy and love and forgiveness that we have received in our lives. It's our job to share that same love and mercy and forgiveness with our children so that they know just as much as we know that our God loves us that our God forgives us, that our God wants what's best for us. 
Would you bow your heads in prayer with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are your children, that you have adopted us into your family. We are grateful that you are a dad who is perfectly aware of our condition, that you have involved yourself in our lives, that you have continually sought to forgive us through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Transform us through repentance so that we would be more like Jesus and more like you as we parent our children. And help us as families to walk in godly wisdom, to guide and lead and instruct our children as you have taught us to. We join together in the prayer you have taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. 